Hello, Scouted Football Pod fans. Welcome back to the Scouted Football Podcast with me, Joe Donahue. I'm looking forward to delving into the various topics and themes from today's instalment, as it's a little left field, uh, but there are plenty of avenues to explore within it. Um, with me, we have a, a returning guest, first time finish his very own Ben Botchak, who you may be familiar with from the episode on Mali and their attempts to reach a first World Cup finals next year. Um, Ben's been busy, as always, lots of stuff uh, to catch up on. Um, but first, how's it going, mate? Yeah, very good. How about you? Yeah, not not bad at all. Um, enjoying sort of the, the end of season drama. Absolutely. Yeah, all, all over the place. All consuming this just wall to wall football every day. But I say that every week on this pod. I'm pr- pretty sure people are getting sick of me saying that. But um, in terms of what you have been up to recently, um, of course, the, the today's episode is on Dinamo Zagreb, um, obviously the, the most historic club in Croatia. But um, you recently had an interview with Romeo Jozak on uh, on first time finish. Um, what what was all that about, and and sort of how how did you come about getting that um, that that name? Yeah, so I kind of I was fascinated by Dinamo Zagreb after they knocked out Tottenham recently, and. Uh, had a little research and you know the more I delved into it the more sort of uh, the, the more interested I became and rested in the story and uh, I wanted to speak to someone in relation to the club and uh, kind of came across Romeo Yozak who was the academy director uh, for a long time both at Dinamo Zagreb and uh, the Croatian national team sort of the youth setup and I thought he'd He'd be the perfect uh, sort of candidate to talk to. He's currently working in uh, America, giving consultation to sort of American soccer clubs uh, back there. And uh, yeah, he's a very interesting character to speak to. He's a very knowledgeable guy. Yeah, he seemed like a really interesting, interesting guy because of reading that article that you that you wrote on on first time finish. That was something which, obviously, when you raised it to me, I was kind of like, oh, okay, this is there's a lot more to this. You know, we can get a podcast episode out of this. We can really string this out because there's so many. As I said in the intro, there, the, there's so many avenues to explore. And as you were saying, you know just sort of delving into the history and the background of this club, you start to see actually how many players, how many names, how many reputable figures have, have come through. And it's like, all right, okay, we, 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 we should probably discuss this because this is kind of the scouted football brief here. But um, in terms of what else you've been up to, um, aside from the Dinamo Zagreb um, piece and, and the Jozak interview, um, what else have you been, uh, have you been writing on First Time Finish? Ooh, loads of stuff. Uh, I think I'll probably talk about stuff that we've got coming up uh we could have uh, our inside story series is a very popular one and we could have one on Jeremy Doku coming up who is going to be at the Euros. We did an interview with Joe Carlos Teixeira, uh, probably Liverpool fans will remember him from the academy and uh, he actually played with Diogo Jota at Porto as well and Andre Silva so that was a fascinating conversation and yeah just all sorts of those, those type of content coming up. Lovely stuff. Well, it sounds very good. We've gone years without using the right tools for the job. We've all been there, some manscaping ruined by a shaving accident. That's why Manscaped has just released the new Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer, which features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce those needless grooming accidents. It's even waterproof, so you can use it with ease in the shower. Complete with a USB charging stand, 90 minutes runtime, as well as 20% discount and free delivery when you use the code SCOUTED20. What are you waiting for? Make your testies your besties.
On to uh, Dinamo Zagreb, though, and and sort of a little bit of background about the club. Um, most people will know that they're they're a Croatian football team, um, but they're the most successful club in Croatia with twenty one domestic titles, uh, league titles, that is, uh, fifteen Croatian cups, uh, six super cups, uh, and they were also the winners of the nineteen sixty seven Intercities Fairs Cup, which was sort of a, a precursor to the UEFA Cup and the Europa League. Um, but it was actually this season that they got furthest in the Europa League, that the, the furthest they've ever got, which was uh, as quarter finalists. They were knocked out by uh, Villarreal, of course, who, who have now made it to the final, getting past Arsenal. But it's been it's been a, a fascinating ride over these past few years. I remember watching a couple of games um, of them in the Champions League group stage. Uh, it may have been last season or the season before, but um, the 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 stadion Maximir uh, is just such an iconic stadium. It's 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 very it's very harsh and severe, very brutalist, but it's it's got a very passionate fan base. And um, it's yeah, the, as as you were saying, Ben, you know, the more that you sort of researched into this club, the more that you sort of you recognise that this is this is a story which needs telling. I, I don't know what it was. There anything sort of the background of the club when you were doing your research for the Yozak interview that that really stuck out to you about sort of um, about Dinamo Zagreb. I mean, I just think, you, you pro- like, obviously coming from like a Western perspective, you don't realise how big these clubs are. Uh, Dinamo, Hajduk, and the two Serbian clubs, Partizan and Red Star Belgrade, they're, they're hugely popular in Yugoslavia and the Balkan region. And uh, in terms of like, I think what was nice to discover when I talked to Romeo is uh, that he actually worked with Luka Modric as well. That That was kind of his first steps into management and uh, the fact that, you know, the, the first sort of high-profile player that he worked with as a youth coach was Luka Modric and Bedrin Chorluka and, and those type of players was kind of a cool little insight. To, I, I managed to get a cool little insight about Modric as well in the process. Very nice. Obviously, talking about, uh, you know, Luka Modric and Vedran Choluka there, who are, of course, you know, I mean, Luka Modric is a, is a global name, but Vedran Choluka, most people sort of in English football would, would recognise him as, as as being a player who played for Spurs towards the end of the 2000s, beginning of the 2010s. But, you know, obviously have played their part in, in the Croatian footballing sphere for, for the past 15 years or so. Um, you know, the, the the one thing about Dinamo Zagreb that I think a lot of people may may neglect to, to, to realise or notice is that um, one of the things that stuck out in your in your article was that um, you said, according to the CIES Football Observatory, Dinamo Zagreb have produced the third highest number of professional players, 71, um, currently playing in Europe's top divisions, which is sort of similar levels to, you know, your Real Madrid's, you know, the Castilla there, the Barcelona's La Masia, uh, Ajax's de Tocomst, um, Benfica's Seychelles academies. You know, in terms of talent production, this is kind of one of the European hotbeds, which certainly does not get the credits that I think the, as you mentioned, the some perhaps the more Western ones do. Um, and I think one, one thing I do want to say on that is, is that granted, this is partly down to the, you know, Croatia has a population of around 4 million. Um, and it's partly down to sort of the funneling of the best young players in Croatia going to Dinamo. Um, but, you know, you need to have that infrastructure in place in order to develop the players who then go on to become World Cup finalists, of course, um, who, you know, the, the story of Croatia, you know, going toe-to-toe with France in that World Cup final, the 4-2 defeat in 2018 is a fascinating one. Of course, beating England in the semi-final, uh, you know, a country with with, with massive resources, um, but it's yeah it, that was the one thing that stuck out to me. I think you know from your from your learning of of, of Dinamo Zagreb, Ben, w- what was it about the the youth production, the youth talent side of things that 
was there anything in particular which was kind of really really stand out i think what i was really surprised by is that um uh, in the uefa youth league uh tournament both in 2019 and 2020 uh they made it to the quarterfinals which i wasn't like it kind of just passed me by really but they finished above man city in the in the group stages that uh, they finished above Man City in the 1920 uh, UEFA Youth uh, season and they actually beat Bayern Munich as well before they lost to Benfica. And then in the 1819 season, they beat um, Liverpool and they only lost to Chelsea on penalties, who were Chelsea, I think, uh, ended up winning the tournament that year. So I think that was kind of fascinating to see that, you know, as well as developing these world-class players who've, play that Champions League finals. So, for example, I think since the Manchester United-Barcelona Champions League final in uh, 2011, every single World Cup, every single Champions League final since then has featured a Croatian and it's mostly been uh, from Dinamo Zagreb's academy. So the likes of Mantukic, Modric, Lovren, Matteo Kovacic or Ivica Olic. And then on top of that, Rakitic and Perisic, who, who didn't come through Dino Rosalgrub's academy, but, you know, still Croatian. So it was just fascinating how um, you don't really notice it, but Croatia is actually a, a big sort of power. And uh, I mean, I guess the 2018 World Cup proves that, that, that they have real quality. Yeah, I think a lot of the time, um, you know, people kind of think, oh, you know, Croatia, they're obviously a very good team. But I think they might neglect to realise that it is, as I mentioned earlier, a, a country of, you know, only a few a few million people. It's very similar to um, how Uruguay has a, a very, very small population in South America, but has been something of a footballing powerhouse in terms of the players they've produced. You know, the likes of your, your Edinson Cavani's, your Diego Forlan. Um, Luis Suarez, of course, you know, these players and, and not just the attackers, you know, the, the likes of Walter Gargano, Enzo Perez, those types of, you know, more more destructive defensive midfielders. You know, there's there's, there's a nice spread of talent there. And, and I think it's very similar with Croatia as well. Um, but in terms of the, that World Cup final we were talking about, you know, uh, one of the other things that, that I picked out of your piece, I kind of cherry picked, was was that 14 players in Croatia's 2018 World Cup final squad had either come through Dinamo's youth system or represented the club at some point prior to the game um, versus France, which was a was a World Cup record. Um, which in this day and age, you think is you know you might, you know if this was the 1930 or 1938 World Cup final, you know, perhaps that might have been a bit more prominent because one club would have had so much dominance. But no, that is the that is the, the record for the World Cup finals um, to, to, of having the most players from a single club or to to have had as much. Um, one club having had as much influence um, as Dinamo Zagreb. So that is, I mean, that again, we've spent the first 10 minutes or so here kind of just stressing how uh, impactful uh, Dinamo Zagreb has been uh, on on Croatian football and European football, of course. But in terms of uh, in, in terms of sort of building a reputation, you know, we had um, you know, the, the, probably the most high profile player at that club uh, in the past few years, especially from sort of a Western perspective, uh, hasn't even been a Croatian. It was uh, Dani Olmo, who is obviously a Spanish international now, but he left La Masia, Barcelona's famed academy for for, for Zagreb in in 2014 when he was just 16 years old. You know, how how do you go about luring? I mean, you'll know this because you spoke to Romeo Jozak, but how do you go about luring a player who, by all accounts, was a was a very talented player in Barcelona's academy to Croatia you know it's this it's not it's 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 not exactly a a well-trodden path is it 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, and it kind of stems from probably, you know, a decade before that, um, when uh, Dinamo and Romeo Jozak in particular came to the club and decided to uh, make a lot of radical changes, firstly. And and that was, you know, after you've had the likes of Modric, Cranchar, Eduardo, Olic and Choluka and Mandzukic come through. Uh, but even so, I think the the reason why those players ended up at Dinamo is, like you said, is is because Dinamo kind of hold hegemony in in the region and uh, all the best players kind of come there. But then in two thousand and seven, the academy sort of developed a very unique and successful system and uh, one that doesn't just get the best players, but it makes sure those players go to you know the top clubs and. Uh, reform at an elite level and uh, all that started in 2007. So in terms of going back to sort of around that time um, and you know one thing that, that we've looked at sort of in, in the prep for this was was sort of historic squads and this was this was actually a really fun endeavour for, for somebody like me who you know likes to think that they probably know a little bit about football but going and finding something out which was completely just unbeknown to me um, and around that time, around 2007, um, this was so. This was essentially before those radical changes came in play. Um, you know, the 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 06, 07 season, Dinamo Zagreb, uh, they they won the, the Croatian title, surprise, surprise. Um, but they won it in style with you know 30 games won, two drawn, one one lost. Um, you know, you, you had a 20 year old Vedran Choluka who we've discussed, 20 um, year old Luka Modric, um, who's a name who you know won't need much introduction to most people. Um, but also 17-year-old Milan Badel, um, who has been you know, at Fiorentina and, and Genoa in Serie A for, for the past decade or so. Um, and also 23-year-old Eduardo de Silva, who was probably best known as, as Eduardo in English football, you know, famous for, for the horrific leg break um, that he suffered while playing for Arsenal. But prior to that move, he, um, he scored 34 goals that season uh, in, in the Croatian uh, First League. So that was a, a monumental effort. But... You know, this going back even further, you know, there was the 2002-2003 squad, um, which had, again, some very familiar names, but at, at the time when they would have been scouted football players, essentially. Um, so, you know, Eduardo back then was was 19. He was still, that's when he sort of started to come through with Dynamo. Uh, but he also had 17-year-old Nico Cranshaw, who, of course, has been a household name over the past sort of 10 years with Spurs and, and Portsmouth in the Premier League. Um, but also Ivica Olic, who was 22 at the time, was the league's top goal scorer that season. Um, and I thought that was really intriguing that this club, you know, the, the, the further you go back, constantly there's just a rich footballing, a youth, rich youth footballing heritage, which clearly, as we've discussed about the, 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 UA, the UEFA Youth League campaigns, has, has, has been carried on uh, in recent times. But was there anything about sort of the, the historic squads for you, Ben, that, that was like, um, you know, when you were doing your research or anything like that, where you thought this is this is actually really cool because that was essentially what I was getting from from going back through them on on transfer mark, just looking down, scanning the names, and going, "All oh, right, I recognise him, 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 him," and I was like, "Oh, there's, there's there's quite a squad here." Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, even just like recent, not that historic, but like you know, the fact that Brozovic was there, I thought that was cool, and Kovacic at the same time that there's there's been. In, in the 2010s, loads of interesting squads. And I think what those really early squads, I think what they did was, like you said, created that sort of 
youth culture, uh, as it were, and Dinamo would play those youngsters. And then around that, Romeo came in and he decided to create a sort of structure to it as well to make it more successful. And uh, like I, I think for me, in terms of the changes, like like we, I feel like it's important to address the radical changes that we discussed. And um, when Romeo came in, he actually fired 20 to 25 coaches at the academy, which is a big overhaul. Um, and he hired 32 new coaches in their place. And uh, as much as how well run the club is and all the drills and the sort of program that they have set up, I think what the most important thing that I got from Romeo uh, when I asked him about, about the secrets to dealing with successes, he, he talked about mentality a lot. So when when he was first sort of setting up this academy system, he would travel around Croatia all over the place scouting for coaches. And uh, he, he'd often watch them from his car, you know, and, you know, like making sure that they had the right mentality and the right sort of profile. Um, for what he was looking for and uh, he even told me sometimes you know they didn't have like the highest UEFA badges or the UEFA badges that you would normally require to work at a club like Dinamo Zagreb but because he saw potential in them he decided to give them a chance because they they offered something different or something that was in line with his philosophy and uh, whilst they were working they were actually getting their badges whilst they were working at the club and uh, I think uh, mentality is something that Dinamo Zagreb are very keen on, it, it, even in terms of player identification. They like players, as Romeo put, would put it, who dive headfirst at the ball, you know, and mm. will uh, play with their blood, sweat and tears. And I think uh, a lot of the successful players that we mentioned are kind of like that, you know, your Modric's, your Kovacic's and your Cholukas, they're the kind of players who have that mentality and... Uh, will do anything to win yeah the win at all costs a mentality I think is something which you know you hear in interviews with players with managers with people who've been successful in the game and you, you know you, you do it is a, it is a common theme and I think a lot of the time you do get mentality you know floated around as, 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 a, as a buzzword of sorts but there must be something behind it that to say that you know it is actually something which matters an awful lot especially at this this younger side of, of things yeah I mean that uh, I think that that's, that's an important sort of comparison so when I spoke to Romeo he said Luka Modric didn't actually stand out that much in uh, academy football but whereas someone like Alan Halilovic who he worked with a lot stood out a lot and he said he, Alan Halovic at any age could do whatever he wanted on the pitch. And he was just incredible. I and mean, people back then were calling him, you know, the Croatian Messi. Yeah. And uh, he got, uh, I think Barcelona were kind of looking to hit, even replace him, with, like, replace Messi with him. And uh, he, he's someone, uh, you know, on the flip side of the coin who maybe probably didn't have the right mentality or the right psychological environment to make the next step up maybe you know probably made the wrong choice as well by moving to such a big club at such a young age and it was such a big step up from Dinamo Zagreb um so yeah I think I think that's like a interesting comparison to make 
the the inverted Danny Olmo move essentially, wasn't it? Mm, absolutely, yeah. Speaking of moves, then, um, you know, I mean, uh, just going through sort of the recent sales that the Dynamo have have had, and it it's it's one of those baffling things. You know, you you look at the the, the amounts of money, and you think, well, how much it must cost to. To, to, to run a club which isn't in sort of the, the, the top five European leagues. Of course, it's going to be, um, you know, it's not going to cost, you're not going to be paying the sort of the £200,000 a week um, Gareth Bale wages on loan at Spurs, that sort of thing. Um, so sort of just looking through, and, and I mean, these are selected transfers um, that have the outgoings from, from Dinamo Zagreb over the past three, just the last three years. Um, we've got Josko Vardiol, um, who's 19 still, has been playing there this season, but agreed a 15 million euro transfer to RB Leipzig. Um, Nicola Moro, who's 22, um, he when he was 22, uh, signed for Dinamo Moscow for 8 million. Uh, Dani Olmo, who we've just re- spoken about, uh, left for, for 20 million euros to Leipzig. Um, Filip Benkovic, when he was 21, left for Leicester City. Uh, Ante Koric for six million to Roma. Uh, Ivan Sunic for eight million to Birmingham City. That one flew under my radar. Um, but Borna Sosa as well, when he was 20, he left for, for Stuttgart, um, who's done fantastically out this season, um, who, who we've discussed in a previous podcast. Um, he left for six million uh, euros. But with Sosa, uh, Ben, he's been in the news this week um, because he's had a he's had, he's had a bit of a change of heart and he's, he's going to declare for, for Germany internationally. Uh, and I believe he, his mother's German. But for somebody who, who was coming through the, the, the Dinamo Zagreb um, youth ranks, you know, for somebody who has been, for all intents and purposes, Croatian, you know, what, what do you think Romeo's stance would be on that you know would he just be very content that somebody who his his setup has helped develop is, is now going to potentially go and you know win major European honours or is is it would it be sort of a you know we a little bit leaving a little bit of a sour taste in the mouth it's interesting you asked that because we we actually talked about Borna Sosa with Romeo and during my conversation and uh Romeo was very involved in uh this 2013 Dinamo Zagreb team, who uh, it was the 98 and 99 generation who won the Nike Premier Cup at Old Trafford. And um, Sosa was uh, one of the star players of that tournament. And he was just, he, he, Romeo was kind of raving to me about uh, Sosa during the, our conversation. And, and that was about two weeks back. And uh, he told me that, you know, Sosa is the future of the Croatian national team. And, oh, uh, it's got a sting. Yeah, so I feel like we kind of jinxed that because, uh, yeah, since then, obviously, what's happened. And uh, I feel like he'll probably be more disappointed because of how heavily he worked with the Croatian setup. And uh, I feel like, you know, when you lose a talent like Borna Sosa, who I think is probably especially in terms of his crossing it's so unique and it's oh, yeah. so so good it's, it's it's almost generational like there's a reason why they call him like the new david beckham <laughs> and, and when when you lose a talent like that especially with the way sort of the, the strikers the profile of strikers croatia have in that team like you know the likes of Mandzukic is getting a bit old but kramaric uh, you'd imagine sosa would probably thrive in that croatian team but you know, I've, it, it, he's going to be uh, a key asset to Germany as well. 
Yeah, absolutely he will be. And he's, I mean, we discussed this, but he's been great for Stuttgart this season. You know, they've had a, a great, great campaign. Uh, and if you'd like to listen to more on, on Stuttgart, then there is a previous episode on the Scout Football Podcast. Um, but just looking at sort of Sosa's, um, his, his rap sheet, essentially, he's played for, for Croatia uh, from under 14 level up all the way up every single age group to under 21, um, which just makes it all, and, and you know, spending the best part of 12 years at Dinamo Zagreb just makes it all the more um, difficult to take if you were somebody like Romeo. But um, yeah, he he was one who who left obviously the club, and I think they've they've got a knack of being able to sell at the right price. You know, they they know when to sell high, and you know just looking at some of the transfer fees from from days gone by. Um, you know Marco Rogue who, who left for thirteen million euros, um, Marco Piatta um, to Juventus for twenty two million euros. You know both left when they were twenty one. Yeah, that's that's thirty five million worth of. Um, you know, imagine how much that could, you know, I mean, we see why the, 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 the youth football infrastructure at Dynamo is so, so successful because, they, you know, this, this money is going straight back into that, that system. Or is everything not quite as it seems? Yeah, I mean, there is a bit of controversy surrounding that. Um, so, I don't know, people probably saw that you know, there was memes around social media when Dynamo knocked out Tottenham. And everyone was saying, you know, Dinamo knocked out Tottenham with their manager in prison. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, we're talking about the Mamic brothers, uh, who Zora Mamic was the manager of Dinamo, who's now in prison. But his uh, older brother probably has had had more influence on Dinamo Zagreb. Uh, his name is Ratko, and he was he started out as a football agent and then became the sporting director of the club. And there's a lot of controversy around the two brothers. Uh, In terms of their work with Dinamo Zagreb, they've uh, been accused of, well, not accused, but they've been found guilty of embezzlement uh, in uh, 2015. Uh, And uh, the embezzlement wasn't around these recent transfers that we're discussing now. It was actually to do with uh, Dejan Lovren's move to Lyon. And Luka Modric's moved to Tottenham, and uh, they were found guilty of siphoning 15 million euros from those transfers, taking it away from the club. Um, and I, I'm not sure. I, I'm not not sure of how high those transfer fees were, but I'd imagine that was a good chunk of those two transfers. Like, especially because it, it happened like over a decade ago now. And uh, on top of that, they were also charged with tax evasion as well. So. Not a good look. Um, as I said, Zoran Mamic is now in prison. Uh, Zvratko is on the run. He, he's a Bosnian national and he's fled to Bosnia. And uh, he's hiding out there. And uh, with Zvratko as well, I say he had the bigger influence of the two because his uh, sort of controversies and charges go back even before this embezzlement charge. He was actually sued by Eduardo Silva. Uh, for an unfavourable contract uh, where Silva, Eduardo, had to allegedly pay 50% of his wages to damage his family during his entire career, which is just crazy. And uh, Eduardo Silva won that case as well. Seems rather unfair, really, doesn't it? If you know you're being paid to play football and fifty percent of that doesn't actually go to you, but um, yeah, yeah, it was something which I think a lot of people kind of knew about, but not. Uh, the in depth, uh, you know, to the same degree of of sort of the 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 offences that were yeah, that were I, I, you know being laid out there. 
a lot of people blame sort of Halilovic's downfall as well and on the Mamic family. Uh, we wrote an article for, on First Time Finish about um, Halilovic where we talked to a lot of Croatian journalists and the Mamic's are particularly unliked by journalists because they have a very hostile stance towards them. And uh, the impression we got is uh, they had a huge sort of influence on Halilovic uh, when he was younger. They they were the ones who kind of first started calling him the Croatian Messi and stuff. And uh, a lot of people in Croatia blame uh, Halilovic's downfall on the Mamic's because they say that the Mamic's gave, you know, gave him too much too soon. Uh, so... Yeah, they've had a bigger influence on Dinamo Zagreb over this last decade, which I think Dinamo Zagreb's academy has thrived in spite of them rather than because of them. And uh, it looks like that saga might be coming to an end now with uh, Zoran Mamic in prison and he's going to serve, I believe, his uh, six-and-a-half-year sentence. And uh, Rosvratko is in Bosnia, so I can't imagine he has too much of an influence on Dinamo Zagreb anymore. Yeah, I think that's an important point to stress is, you know, the, the, this academy and the footballing side of things has, has still managed to thrive despite that. And, and you know, the, we, we were discussing, obviously, the, the, the millions, the multi-millions that the club has generated. And while there's obviously been some discrepancies there, then, you know, the, the, the club has still been able to actually invest some of this into, you know, developing the next generation of, of, of Croatian footballers. We actually, uh, on Scouted Football, we did also have uh, an article, an interview with, with Zoran Mamic on, um, the, uh, on our website uh, about um, Josko Gvardiol, um, who is obviously, you know, was breaking through at, at Dinamo Zagreb at the time. Um, that was obviously before uh, the, the, the accusations came to light and, and obviously everything that has happened in the interim. Um, but in terms of from a purely footballing perspective, I think, you know, the insight that you that that um, Sasha Pisani, who who wrote that fantastic piece, uh, he gleaned from that was 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 really interesting to to see on Guardiola as a player. Get twenty percent off and free delivery with the code Scouted Twenty at Manscaped.com. That's twenty percent off with free delivery at Manscaped.com. Use code Scouted Twenty. Your balls will thank you. Um, in terms of the the, the current squad, uh, you know we've obviously just spoken about um, Zoran Mamic, who was until very recently the the, the Dinamo Zagreb manager. The current squad, I mentioned Vadiol, who has just well, who who has already agreed to to join RB Leipzig and, and will do so. Um, he is he's a he's a left footed. Well, he's actually not. He's listed as a centre back, but this season he's played as a left back. Um, which is, is is quite interesting because he's not exactly a, a, a he's not exactly a Borna Sosa type left back yeah. uh, in terms of his his body profile, um, but he's played there for the majority of this season. But he can also play as a as a left footed centre back. Um, but he's not the only one there. Of course, there's there's Luka Ivanjušić, uh, there's Lovro Meyer who who's, who's 23, so he's getting to the end of that scouted football age range. But um, they, I mean unsurprisingly based on that half an hour we've just discussed you know it's unsurprising that that um that Dinamo have some some really really high potential young players absolutely I mean like I mentioned earlier in the the podcast uh, their academy still getting to the quarterfinals of the UEFA uh, youth league uh up up until 2020 and obviously this year the UEFA youth league didn't happen so we'll never know where they would have finished this year but consistently getting into the quarterfinals is really impressive and 
Guardiola, you mentioned he, he played in both of those campaigns as a centre back back then. Um, and and he is re- he's he's a very talented player now. I think he he made the perfect sort of move by going to Leipzig because he he suits their style of play. He's a he's a sort of very modern day centre back when he does play centre back because he's very technically gifted. And I'd imagine that a lot of that comes from going through that Dinamo Zagreb academy uh, where the the emphasis a lot of the times is on developing the technique. Uh, on top of that, he's quite fast as well. And I think that's why he's probably been able to play as a fullback as well. Um, and he'll he'll have a very bright future. I think the only sort of area of his game that he might need to polish a little bit is uh, his decision making. Uh, but that's sort of to be expected from a young defender as well. At the same time, you know, uh, normally uh, as defenders grow, they grow mature, and and that decision making improves. So I wouldn't, you know. Overly sort of focus on that. Yeah, I mean he's what he's nineteen years old and he hasn't really played. I mean, the, the probably the highest level that he has played at against sort of other players his same age has been that UEFA Youth League. Well, those UEFA Youth League campaigns, um, and obviously the Croatian First League is is obviously a very good standard, but it's not quite the Bundesliga as as you'll come to find. But you know, for for fifteen million euros, uh, you know Leeds United were also very much interested in him because of his ball playing capabilities, because of his his potential versatility, and you know having that forward thinking. Um, sort of head up style. He 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 is clearly a highly sought after player, and and I'm I'm very much looking forward to seeing what what Jesse Marsh can do with him next season when he takes over because he's been so beneficial to to so many young players at uh, Red Bull Salzburg. But um, apart from that, uh, who who else do, have you seen from from Dinamo Zagreb? You know, other potential um, UEFA Youth League graduates or other players, perhaps some who haven't even come through the youth ranks. Uh, well, as you mentioned, I, I love Romayo. I, I really like him. He's, he's a very technically gifted player as well uh, with a brilliant passing range. I think he, he kind of leads the charts in terms of key passes in the Croatian league and his through ball, like the way he can just sort of thread a, a through ball is, is excellent. Um, but what I like about him is he also contributes in his defensive duties. He, he reads the game really well and he makes a lot of interceptions. Uh every game and uh, kind of crucial to breaking up play for Dinamo. Um, I think I, I watched him recently in the eternal derby against Hajduk Split, where he scored a goal. Uh, obviously, he's, he's good at getting goals and assists. Uh, but I think for him, I, he, he's 23 and he's still kind of inconsistent at times. So, you know, he can pop up with a goal, but sometimes he doesn't influence the games as, as much as your Guardiola. Who, who, who I is you know a me a huge t- talent. So I, I wouldn't say Meyer is going to have the same career as uh, a Modric, who he's been compared to a lot. Uh, but I do think he's going to be good enough to play for like a mid-table, lower league, uh, lower tier sort of uh, top five team. And even Ushets as well. He's uh, um, he was someone who really impressed me in the. England under twenty one game like the under twenty one Euros, he just is a very energetic midfielder and uh, he's one of those players you just you would hate to play against because he doesn't mm. stop running. He reminds you of like a James Milner type, and I, I think he's the same with Meyer. I think he'll end up in in one of those like top five leagues as well, but just not at like the highest level. And and someone 
I'd pro- there's two lone players as well that I've kind of had a look at in the Croatian league and who I'd recommend keeping an eye on. And uh, Dario Spikic, who is uh, 22, he was born in 1999, and he was also involved in the Croatian under-21 team that uh, narrowly lost to England, but kind of, but also knocked out England at the Euros uh, recently. Um, he he was bought by Dinamo back in January. Um, he's he was playing for NK Gorica, and uh, he, he was sent back on loan to Gorica. Uh, currently has six goals and six assists as a winger. Uh, he's someone um, who actually came through the Dinamo Zagreb academy before he went to their arch rivals, Hajduk Split, and and then he ended up at Gorica and and sort of making a name for himself in the Croatian league. And you know he's earned himself a move back to Dinamo Zagreb, and I think so, he's someone who who's worth keeping an eye on. He kind of reminds you of like. Uh, Orsic, uh, who's uh, their current left winger or right winger sometimes. Uh, he's someone, I think, uh, who could uh, replace Orsic if, if Orsic is on the move um, in the summer, which he could be, because uh, it, that hat-trick against Tottenham, I feel like, uh, alerted a, a lot of clubs uh, around Europe. Uh, and then... Another defender I was kind of recently analysed is uh, Josip Sotalo, who kind of captained Dinamo Zagreb at reserve level. He was another, he actually played alongside Guardiol uh, in the UEFA Youth League campaigns. Uh, I remember watching him against Liverpool and he's a very solid defender, uh, but he's also very fast and comfortable on the ball. And uh, I think what really impressed me is uh, he ranks in the top five for like defensive duels won in the Croatian league with like 72%, which is re- quite high uh, for a defender. And uh, he, he's currently on loan at NK Istra, but I feel like he's also one of those players that Dinamo will start putting into their first team uh, because he's, he's really impressed on loan this season. He wouldn't be um, related to Bosco Sutalo, who's obviously at um, at Atalanta, would he? I mean, I don't see that Sutalo, uh, the one at Atalanta, he hasn't had any sort of Dinamo uh, influence in his career. He was at RNK Split and then Osijek um, before going to Atalanta. Do, I mean, uh, w- w- would you happen to know? I, I did look it up and no, they're not related. Uh, that's just a surname. I think probably maybe a common surname in Croatia. I don't know, yeah, but they're be. not related. Yeah, yeah. No, that's really interesting, though. I, I think you know the, the 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 route that a couple of those players have taken. You know, there was Lovro Maya was one that I think a lot of people knew of because he was sort of you know you you had the the Luka Modric and then the Alan uh, Halilovic and then a little bit of Lovro Maya, you know, as a sort of like football manager wonder kids, and everybody would sign them on their saves and whatnot. And in real life, sometimes they kind of just dip off the radar a little bit but he was at um, Lokomotiva but wasn't Lovromaya and he did really well there and that's what he kind of earned a move back to to Dinamo Zagreb so yeah it's um it, it's interesting how that probably is you know happens a, a, quite a lot uh, but the, the there's one last player that I would like to talk about is and that's that's um Robbie Burton who it, it sounds as though he doesn't exactly have a very Croatian name. And that's because he's taken a similar route to the Danny Olmos of the world um, by switching Arsenal for Dinamo Zagreb. Um, I was wondering if you knew any more on that, sort of the, the, the reasoning behind he may have made that switch. 
I'm not really sure. I mean, oh, I, I, I'd assume he probably looked at Danny Olmo and uh, kind of looked into, I'd assume he probably looked into the Dinamo Zagreb Academy and saw the track record and uh, decided that, you know, that was the right move for him after Arsenal. I mean, a lot you see a lot of uh, English players these days come go into Germany and uh, that sort of more sort of Western Europe regions and uh, or Central Europe. And I guess... Uh, he decided to go a bit further east and uh, try out his luck with Dinamo Zagreb. And I don't know, I, I watched his uh, video story after Dinamo Zagreb knocked out Tottenham and he seems to be having a good di- good time there and uh, enjoying, you know, his uh, involvement with Dinamo Zagreb. I think he hasn't really featured that much this season, but that's just because, yeah, he, he's, he's a CDM and uh, Dinamo Zagreb currently have a lot of CDMs in that role, like Ivan Franjic even, who's also part of the Croatia under-21 setup, and uh, a couple of other sort of older players who are currently, some of them I think will be playing at the Euros, not for Croatia, but North Macedonia and those sort of countries. Um, So it's kind of hard to break into that midfield for Dinamo Zagreb at the moment, but, you know, he's still young and I, I feel like We'll see whether that that move. I, I don't know. I don't think it will have cuts the same kind of uh, Danny Olmo vibes. <laughs> or, but yeah, but it will be it will be nice to see a, a British player you know play for Dinamo Zagreb because I I can't imagine there's been many. No, absolutely not. Well, that's just about it then uh, on the Scouted Football podcast uh, today. Uh, we've discussed uh, Dinamo Zagreb, their youth academy, the background, a really historic club um, who have who've got a, a real pedigree in producing young players. Um, you know, the likes of Eduardo, Krancha, Olic, Choluka, Modric, um, Lovren, Kramaric, Vasalko. You know, the, all these players who are, you know, household names in Croatia and obviously have, have, a lot of them have come through the Dinamo Zagreb youth system. Um, thank you very much to Ben for, for joining me on this. And, you know, I couldn't have done it without your insights um, and, you know, all the, 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 the little bits and pieces that you gleaned from, from former Academy Director Romeo Jozak uh, in your interview on First Time Finish. Um, I'd implore anybody to go and read that piece um, if you would like a little bit more on on Dinamo Zagreb and, and that sort of thing, uh, more of an interview side of things. Um, but yeah, all that's left to say is, is thanks very much, Ben. Yeah, great to be on. Yeah, um, Thank you for having me on. And where can people find you on, on Twitter with, with First Time Finish, all that sort of thing? Uh, I guess just at First Time Finish is uh, the easiest way to find my work because my, my main personal Twitter account, I sort of just retweet all our tweets anyway, so... Just go. I'd say go follow first time finish. Brilliant. Well, yeah, I'd, I'd recommend that to anybody who, who's who's really interested in sort of original football storytelling, because um, the team that that Ben um, works with over there is is really fantastic. It just you know finding really niche. Uh, topics and, and fleshing them out into really interesting and thought-provoking articles but um yeah that's been all from the scouted football podcast this week uh, stay tuned for another episode next week um, but it's been a pleasure having you stay safe take care bye for now get 20 percent off and free delivery with the code scouted20 at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off with free delivery at manscaped.com use code scouted20 your balls will thank you